welcome to the Learning and Development Podcast. I'm David James from Loop, and each week I chat with guests about what lights them up in the world of people development. This week I'm speaking with Hayden Bratt, who was Retail L&D Manager for both William Hill and Coral Racing, and who is author of the book Micro Leadership, The Undeniable Power of Tiny Interactions to Achieve Enormous Results. But before we get started, if you're enjoying this podcast, please do give us a rating on your podcast app of choice so that others can find us, and thank you. Now let's get into it. Hayden, welcome to the Learning and Development Podcast. Hi, David. Great to be here. Really excited to uh, have this conversation with you today. Now, let's cut right to the chase, Hayden. And at the risk of losing a buzzword weary listener at the first question, what is future leadership and what's it all about? Okay, great question. So um, I'll try and keep the the buzzwords to a minimum if I can. (laughs) Um, For me, future leadership is about... How do we equip the people who are both ourselves and others, the people in our businesses, in our organizations, to lead into tomorrow and to master tomorrow? Mm-hmm. So the world is is changing. There is a, a lot of um, uh, um, different mechanisms, different drivers that are impacting organizations today. And it's my belief that the old models of leadership are no longer uh, working no longer creating uh, the types of results that um, businesses are striving for and are um, in need of some review and some changes or amendment. And I think if I look at um, organizations today, there's a, a significant number of drivers that I think are impacting on the need for a, a new model of leadership as we move forward. Mm-hmm. So we've got a different generation coming in with different expectations of their their workplace. There is a, I, I don't like labeling particular generations, millennials, centennials, et cetera, but we've got a group of people coming to workplace for the first time who have a completely different set of expectations of what their working life is going to encompass. And the jobs for life, staying in one location and, and having one career in one organization is is gone for many. And people expect different things from their uh, working careers. So we've got this different group of generation with different expectations. We've got rapid growth in technology. Mm -hmm. And that rapid growth in technology is driving different ways of working uh, in terms of flexibility in our approaches to working. But it's also meaning that organizations themselves, the products, the services, the way they operate, is changing at a rate that's ever more dramatic than ever before. It's exponential in terms of the changes that are happening. Mm. And therefore, knowledge is no longer the currency that it used to be. So if you look back into the not-so-distant past, people got to the top of the leadership tree because of the level of knowledge that they had of their own particular business or sector in many cases. And that knowledge is no longer that currency because people are now leading teams and working with teams who have greater knowledge in their particular facet or niche than many of the people who are surrounding them in the organization. So it's creating this real change in dynamic around the way that people are seeing the the work, the way that organizations are operating. And for me, that needs a, a change to the way that we lead. Uh, and you mentioned the word currency there. So if knowledge isn't currency now then what is or has that model been completely disruptive for which there isn't one uh, overriding currency i think um 
there, I don't think there is one overarching currency, but I think there is a um, an emergence of a need for this kind of human focused leadership, this um, ability to emotionally connect with people in the in the teams around you. Mm. So if there was a currency that's replacing it, maybe it's that uh, emotional connection is that currency that really matters now. Mm. People want to sense, I feel a sense of belonging to the people around them and I feel, I feel a sense of connection to their leaders. Uh, and that feels to be, certainly in the research I've done, part of this shift in the currency of this real demand for wanting to feel more than just a number in the organization that they work for. But Hayden, if I can put on my cynical hat just for a moment, uh, is uh, the creation of a new type of leadership just another excuse uh, or an excuse to sell a different type of solution? Um, <laughs> you could have that cynical view. <laughs> for me, it's... Um, so the, as I say, the, the world's changing. We, we're, we're operating in organizations where it's massively ambiguous. There's um, a, a lot of high-profile failures that we've seen in the not-too-decent past. If we take the biggest one, I guess, was the global banking crisis, 2008, which we all, obviously, I know it's it's more than a decade ago now, but was one of the real um, signifiers that actually an old style of leadership was no longer serving a lot of organizations. Mm. You then go into even the most recent, um, I guess in the UK, the most recent failing of uh, the Thomas Cook organization fundamentally down to the leadership of that organization in a changing dynamic world where um, the sector was becoming ever more ambiguous and there's disruptors in the market. But those businesses that are thriving are able to adapt and connect to the change of the market, whereas those that aren't. And so, so given that background, the, the, there appears to be, and, and, and what we're recognizing is, um, there is a genuine need for a shifting of the needle towards uh, a new approach to the way that we lead our businesses to be able to thrive in these organizations. Mm. And I don't think it's just a, a branding exercise for a new product. I think there's a genuine fundamental foundational need for an alternative approach to the way that we lead lead organizations to make sure that they stay successful for the long run. Yeah, I, I agree, Hayden. And uh, I could take off my, my cynical hat now and stop playing devil's advocate for a moment. I think that uh, the uh, an example that that I recognise here, and, and not to take this conversation too far down the sport path, which I has I think has uh, limited um, comparison to to the business world. But uh, I'm a I'm a football fan or a soccer fan for for the international listener. And over the last I'd say ten or fifteen years, there's been this uh, this growing narrative that that managers can't deal with players in the way that they're used to. And of course, the old school media are saying, you know, I suppose the word snowflake might come up and that uh, these these players need an arm around them rather than uh, to be scolded, perhaps in the old way, because they're not tough. And, you know, and, you know so, that, so there is this negative association um, that, that is portrayed on the behalf of the players which has then, of course, demanded a different style of, of management and leadership on the part of the head coach or the, the person responsible for getting the most out of those people. But this is an example of, of how society is changing, how expectations are changing. And, it, and it's not good enough just perhaps to, to, to look at the, um, those, those who, to be led 
um, you know, the, the, the core contributors, perhaps, if we, we bring this back to uh, organizational life, as if to say that um, they've changed and they've got softer, so they need a softer kind of approach. That's a massive oversimplification, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and, I, and I don't, I fundamentally don't see it as a softer approach either. Mm. I think what we are seeing, certainly in my experience, is we're seeing great leadership has been around for years and years and years and years. There have been people in businesses doing what we're advocating. So, you know, kind of back to your earlier point, is this just a, a new badge? Not really. We are seeing a, a set of behaviors that have existed in great leaders over the, over the years. And we're seeing more of a demand for those leadership talents coming to the fore now. So mm. what I would say from when you look at the modern day, we're now seeing more and more of a need for those individual great leaders that we perhaps would have identified in the past. Um, but there's more of a, uh, a, a kind of a groundswell towards that type of behavior now. So if you look at people like Bob Chapman and Barry Waymuller, who has been for years has been leading this way, is only becoming kind of celebrated in the in uh, on uh, was around social media and the speakers in the last few years as he started to generate this groundswell towards that style of leadership being more recognised and more effective as we move forward. Historically, we've always seen the route through in in C suite world of typically businesses have been led by invariably it's the CFO who leads into this to then become the CEO and the focus is always very much on the business on the on the nuts and bolts the kind of bean counters leading the way and we're starting to see this shift and, and i've been reading uh, recently um simon sinek's new book the infinite game where he describes this need for changing even the ceo title chief vision officer rather than a chief executive officer mm. um and it there is definitely feels like there's this shift away from looking inwards in the business to be much more um, outwardly focused in terms of uh, people at the very top of their organizations and this desire to stay relevant in a world that's changing dramatically mm. and to stay relevant in a world that's changing dramatically you've got to have a different approach to leading your people and you've got to recognize that actually your audience internally is shifting and changing too so you can't stick to your old methods of um, controlling restricting organizing and managing you've got to move to a mode that inspires that empowers that enables those brilliant people who are coming into the world with far greater skill and knowledge than than maybe we ever had and have got amazing contributions that they can make that need a platform on which to make those amazing contributions and that requires a very different brand of leadership than what previously would have been the case in the mainstream organizations whilst there has always been these pockets of individuals who've done it and those uh, individuals have excelled in their own individual businesses which uh, for me we're seeing more and more of that we're seeing the kind of the snowball gather as it races down the hill um going more towards it and I think that uh, that that what I'm taking from from what you're describing here as well is that there's there's been a, a shift in the power dynamic. This isn't just a case of um, the millennials have decided that they don't want to be led or managed the old way. This is that there is a fundamental shift in the power dynamic, which has meant that there is almost a, a leveling out to a degree. Now, I will say to a degree because organisations perhaps hold the ultimate power that that they that they. Uh, employ people and employment contracts are hugely weighted, if not entirely, in the um, uh, on the side uh, of the organisations. But in order to 
allow for very smart people to connect with the organization in a different kind of way in order to to deliver more unexpected more less predictable but but perhaps even more brilliant results then leadership needs to be nuanced whereas perhaps it could be a bit more binary uh, or um, maybe may I need maybe I just need to say less nuanced say 20 years ago or so is that the case absolutely yeah it, it feels like uh, you could operate your organization from year into year out using the very same principles because the pace of change was what change was happening it was much slower and you didn't need to flex your style quite as much and I, and I do think you know you you indicated kind of sense of balance mm. the control was was even more so in the organizational um, side of the court as opposed to in the individual side and I do see that shifting slightly. As you say, organizations still hold a lot of power, and, and this isn't the case in all organizations across the planet. But in those that are um, developing and those that are changing the way that they attract in talent and, and how they utilize, maximize their talent, there is a shifting in that power dynamic that's happening. Uh, and again, that requires a much more individualistic style of leadership, mm. a much more... Um, uh, connected style of leadership where true humanity sits at the heart of it because people want to feel, as they say, no longer just a number in their organization. They want to feel like an individual. Personalization is massive in all aspects of our life. You know, if you just look at our smart devices, the way we consume TV, every aspect of our life is hugely personal. Mm. And that runs through to the way that we want to be led. We want to feel like we are an individual who is respected, valued, appreciated for who we are and what we can contribute and just being um, sheep dipped through a managerial process or being treated like just one of the, of the many hundreds or thousands of people in an organization no longer serves. And I, and I think there's also this, so there's a shift in terms of that. And then there's also the shift of, of individuals wanting to feel that their contributions matter. Mm. You've got a generation now who are absolutely connected to purpose in life. And I think you've got, in the organizational world, you've got a shift from um, some of the purpose-based initiatives being what used to be labeled under people's corporate social responsibility arm of their business are now actually becoming the fundamental base on which businesses are built. Mm. So this need to have a defining purpose that sits beyond filling the coffers full of finances is also driving a need to connect up far more that uh, if we want to get the best talent in our organizations, we've got to inspire them, not just through the work they can do, but also the purpose and reason behind that work. And again, that requires a, a shift in the way that we think about how we lead and develop those people. And moving on from the, the context, Hayden, Leadership development, perhaps more than any other topic of development, is often cited as ineffective and even a waste of money, uh, referring to recent um, publications by McKinsey and Harvard. Um, what must we learn from the past to be more successful with our efforts in the future when it comes to developing our leaders? It's, it's, a, it's a great question, and, and I've probably been guilty in my own um, past of running programs that maybe haven't made the impact that they should have made in the organization. Likewise. I think, yeah, <laughs> there's probably not many people listening to this who haven't, maybe. But um, I think one of the things that used to be the case in a lot of organizations, certainly in my experience, was 
leadership programs were almost part of the, the kudos of becoming a senior manager. There were many people who were put onto a leadership program because it was kind of a, a badge of honor to go on to that program. And they, they typically took place in beautiful hotels away from the, the, the work or you'd spend days away kind of going through maybe um, theoretical models, but, but feeling kind of quite divorced from the real world. It was almost like it was a, a perk of the uh, getting to a certain stage of your um, your leadership career was this opportunity to go away and whether that was to a business school or whether it was a, with, to a, um, say a, a fancy hotel, whatever it was. But there seemed to be this separation from what happened in those rooms to what really happened in, in the, in the business on a day in day out basis. Yeah. Uh, and for me, there wasn't, uh, and again, if it would be highly critical of some of the programs that I've um, led in the past would be that connection between what happened there and what happens day in, day out just wasn't strong enough. Mm. It wasn't embedded in, in the need to actually help those individuals perform better in their, in their roles as leaders. And I think to help leaders going kind of forward, if we were to look at um, how do we, we add better value in terms of the way we develop leaders, we need to strengthen that connection. So and I've been a follower of yours for, for a while, and I know you're passionate about this, of, of making sure that development aids performance and contributes mm. towards um, and is directly connected to our ability to do and to, to be. For me, that's what, leadership development has to become it's got to be fundamentally interconnected with the reality of the organization that you're in the role that you play the position you are within that organization the the the, um, status in the hierarchy that you have the demands that are placed on you as as a leader to equip you with skills when you need them to be able to um to be effective and to enable you to show up as that authentic leader who is able to connect with your people with the confidence and the, uh, the um, safety, the, the, the psychological safety to show vulnerability when you need to show vulnerability to, to just be that person who is able to inspire others around them. Mm. And that, that for me is, um, is where we've probably gone wrong in the past where it's been this kind of microsome, very, um, a closeted type environment that feels divorced and separated from what truly happens. Yeah, I, I completely resonates with me. The you know chipping people off again on a residential, so you're you're taking them further and further from the environment in which they're expected to perform. I think one of the one of the last bastions of le- learning and development has got to be timeliness. I've mentioned it on this podcast before as well that we've delivered programs or scheduled people to attend in the past when it's been appropriate, when, when we've been able to, to provide that support and when we've been able to get people on. But of course, we miss the opportunities to shape the way that people even begin to think about their roles, especially at a senior leadership level. And by the time we get people onto uh, onto any programs so often because I'm, I'm, you know leaders are smart people um, they've already figured out a lot of this stuff so so the experience can be cursory uh, it, rather than essential uh, experience and of course there is power still in in gaining feedback um, from especially from the people that you work with um, for and around um, in order to to help to to further shape your efforts but We've got to. We've, I, th- I think we've got to take responsibility to recognise that there is enormous power 
in helping, guiding and supporting people when they need the most help, not just when we can get them on a program. Absolutely. And then you know, echoing that, so you've got the hassle of, or the, the challenge of when can I get on a program? And again, typically there's a cohort that's run and, and you have to wait for the next cohort. Mm. And then the other thing you see so much in the past is the, the curriculum or the, the, the content is predetermined maybe six, nine, maybe even a year in advance or when the program starts and doesn't flex, doesn't adapt, doesn't morph to the needs of the businesses going through. And it's, it's, it's already out of date before you even start and it gets more and more out of date as you're going through. Mm. Structured learning can be really beneficial mm. when it's so structured that it doesn't allow for the nuances of how the organization is shifting, changing over time, then we are at best creating a, a, a very vanilla um, approach to um, leadership development that doesn't have any of the color and flavor that's required to really make it work in, in the real world. Mm. So the, as and when it's needed, having that flexibility of delivery mechanisms and flexibility of approaches, um, utilizing more of a coaching rationale to the way that we develop and, uh, our leaders going forward uh, are some of the things that we, we, we need to start doing differently to help um, ensure we get decent ROI on the investment and leadership programs, and it makes a proper difference to the organizations and the people who are working for these leaders. Mm. And, and that's the thing I'm most passionate about is creating organizations where people can thrive and, and you need to have leaders to enable that pe- those individuals to thrive. And what research should we uh, use to support our leadership development efforts today? Well, I think, first of all, it is really critical for people to um, invest in research and, and, and awareness around. So some of the, some of the, the feeds, so I mentioned Simon Sinek earlier, a great, great writer around um, the shift towards this servant-based leadership that has become a very, we started off with buzzwords, well, let's go there with buzzwords. So servant-based leadership is another one that's become a, a, a much used phrase, but but is very integral to this shift that's happening. So people like Simon Sinek are great to, to spend some time with. Um, there's a great writer called Matthew Syed. I don't know if you're aware of Matthew Syed, he's written a number of books um, from a performance point of view, but there's, again, some real nuances where he's taken Carol Dweck's work around growth mindset and really applied it to um, business situations and, and life situations and actually worth um, worth checking in with. Um, so I think there are there are so many so many great writers out there. There are so many great um, uh, contributors on on social channels. You, know, um, you and I know one another through LinkedIn, and um, uh, you know, there are there is so much information. And I guess that's one of the other things that's changing in the world is people are far more aware that there is a different style. So go back twenty years, your only experience of leadership would have been what you're experiencing in your own organization. Uh, and you may have then had the opportunity to go on one of these leadership programs to experience something different, but fundamentally your awareness was limited. There is so much awareness out there now. There is so much content out there, so much information out there that people can draw on that they've had their eyes open to the fact there's a different way that we should be led. And that's creating that demand for change as well. So I guess, guess to answer your question, that there are, there are lots of different places you can go to the great um, uh, things like Harvard Business Review can be great in terms of getting insight into some of the latest themes. Forbes is a great read. Um, and there are just so many authors out there. There are, you know, with the advent of TED Talks, again, just so many great inspirations that are 
leading the way around this shift towards a, a new human-focused leadership and this change in the dynamics that I would just encourage people to um, yeah, just, just explore, explore that and find out what's happening. Mm-hmm. And um, your background is in uh, in-house L&D, uh, both William Hill and Coral Racing. And with, whilst we're talking about future leadership, um, there's also a future L&D that's going on right now. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, a, a changing L&D that's required due to changes in work, the workforce and the workplace, to quote Andy Lancaster in his book, Driving Performance Through Learning. How are you seeing things changing in L&D? Well, definitely, definitely that shift, and um, uh, and his and his work's great. So, um, another one to go and have a look at if you if you want to see this change. Um, I'm I'm kind of seeing two trends. So, in my experience of working with different uh, organisations and L and D teams, there's two almost polarising trends that I'm identifying. The first of which, which I think is in some ways a positive trend, is a move to the L&D professional becoming a consultant within their organization. Mm -hmm. So becoming almost a broker for learning and development in their organizations. So I'm seeing relatively smaller teams, but those teams being highly specialized in um, understanding the needs of the organization, becoming very embedded into the operation of the organization, actually. So rather than sitting firmly square under the HR banner, much more association with the the core business um, side of, 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 of the organization mm-hmm. and becoming that person who really does have a voice and a say and an influence on what the organization is trying to achieve and then how that impacts the people aspect and therefore the requirement to build capability and develop um, performance skills to achieve that mm-hmm. and so that's that's kind of one side i'm seeing is, is that move towards becoming this consultant or broker and then bringing in resources as and when needed whether internally or externally to facilitate those needs the second side which i'm not entirely sure is an ultimately positive side is more of a, a dumbing down of the lnd function of getting very focused and um onto delivery of core technical training and quietening their voice or or restricting their access to the key strategic business functions and just being a um, a service that is called on as and when it's needed as opposed to being central to the decision making and i'm seeing both happen in different organizations i'm seeing both both of these polarizing uses of l d happening uh, and and I think the one about the the kind of second one of of the restrictive um, dumbing down of L and D I think is gravely concerning for organisations, um, and I think there is great opportunity in the in the the former in terms of the the, the consultant and the brokering, but as long as it doesn't go so far removed that actually it's um, it only becomes a consultative service and doesn't really drive uh, continuous improvement in the organisation. Mm, that is that is interesting. I've not seen so much of the uh, the second as you've mentioned, although I've been in comparable roles myself uh, going back uh, a few years now. I, I wonder whether the uh, the problem is in learning and development first recognising its real value and potential and then being able to communicate that more broadly to an organisation because to be pigeonholed and 
stakeholder expectations to be much more around just technical um, skills development um, rather than the the the, the broader uh, opportunity where 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 learning and development is critical to driving performance and capability. I run, I I do wonder whether there is that that we've we've kind of fallen into a trap and 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 maybe some people are um a fallen foul of, of perhaps the worst of learning and development which is that that people just pigeonhole and think that it's just about delivering programs and provision of content rather than us being able to sell ourselves and i've said for a while now i think that that two elements of learning and development seem to be deficient beyond some skills areas that that clearly need to uh, to be developed but that um the the lack of leadership and the inability to sell a vision beyond just the 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 delivery of programs and the provision of courses may actually be coming uh, and doing us some uh, some real damage now what are you seeing as uh, as the areas that the L&D need to get better at if we are to to forge away in the future yeah, I agree, and I, and I think you know, the heart of most L and D professionals is is a desire and want to help, and and maybe we're we're we've been a victim of that as well. You know, so keen to please and to to support the organisation that whenever we're asked the question of can you do, then the answer is yes, and we go off and do, without really doing that bit of challenging back to the organisation to make sure that what they're asking for is relevant and and appropriate to the needs. So, for me, I think L and D definitely needs to invest more time and energy in looking outside of both the function itself and also the organizations that they're involved in to evaluate and to educate and to learn from others to expand their own knowledge and again if i just kind of share part of my own reflection so for many years working in similar to yourself in-house it's only since I've stepped outside of that that I've really understood how how little true learning I was doing whilst I was in-house. Mm. So I was always somebody who considered myself to be somebody who focused on their own development, but it's exponentially different since I've stepped outside. And the only reason I can do my job, as uh, my role as successfully as I can now is because of that education. And I, if I was to step back into an in-house role, I would be infinitely better at doing the role that I used to do because of that. So I think really challenging yourself to step outside, to continue to educate, to invest in your own learning and knowledge as an L&D professional in the specialism, in the areas that you're passionate about, in the, the areas that are going to make the biggest difference in your organizations, for me, is, is one of the, the absolute essentials that need to, to take place. And I think the other the other one for me, uh, just echoing back to what I said before, is to to become more of a challenger, to become more of a, a questioner of, of what's happening and why it's happening, and to build your capability to dig beneath, to ask, to have the courage to ask some of the more uncomfortable questions, to step into that place where you may not, you may not. Um, uh, be thanked initially for going there, but actually it's a really essential role to go there, to ask some of those you know, testing questions to make sure that whatever we're going to do, whatever plans we put in place, whatever um, mechanisms we create are going to be absolutely on point for what the organization is going to need rather than just 
wanting to fulfill a uh, a service to the business that is um, led by that that function without true understanding of what actually is going to make a real difference in the long run. Yeah, I I completely agree. And uh, to use your phrase back, I, uh, I I certainly echo those sentiments since coming out out of um, uh, roles at. Um, when I was in house, I've I've had found the opportunity to to really specialise and uh, and and develop a specialism that that I, I certainly didn't have the time to do uh, whilst I was in house. So uh, so I, I definitely echo that. Now coming back uh, then Hayden to um, future leadership, um, if if the listener is is interested in this but recognises that perhaps they run a more traditional leadership development offering. Um, what what can they start to do uh, in order to to either maybe both assess and then develop leaders uh, that are future ready? So I definitely think there's um, uh, L&D. So on the back of what I said earlier, if, if you're passionate about learning and development, then we mentioned some of the research earlier. First, go and educate yourself around um, some of the, the trends that are happening out there. Um, do some readings, um, tune into what's going on, and then start thinking about your organisation and where your organisation's going. So, what is the what's the vision for your organisation, and where do you see your organisation being in the next three to five years' time? How much exposure do you have to those conversations that are happening around, whether that be in the C-suite or whether that being in your um, heads of function? But how much exposure and understanding you have and how much time do you actually spend thinking? So one of my, one of my favorite phrases I use with when I'm doing leadership development uh, or working with, with one-to-ones is no organization and no individual fails through a lack of hard work. We fail through a lack of quality thinking. Mm-hmm. And finding time, find you know, every L&D professional listening to this is going to be very busy and, and we'll be, their days will be full with meetings and, and connections and content they need to write, et cetera. But finding time in your busy schedule to just think into what you're doing and why you're doing it and to, to consider where you're going, what the future looks like, is for me a fundamental part of enabling yourself to stay relevant. So having that ability to envision the future, think about where your organization's going, and then critically review and say, okay, if we continue to do what we're doing, if we continue to... Um, to recognize the leaders we've got, if we continue to, to grow leaders in the, in the image of the leaders we already have in our organization, are we going to achieve the vision that we've set out? And if the answer is yes, then great, carry on doing what you're doing because you're on path to deliver your vision. But if the answer is we probably don't have that capability or, or we're already struggling with our succession plans because we're struggling to find people coming through who are enabled to take the business to the next level, then it requires a shift and it requires a change in the way that we are um, developing our leaders. And that for me would be the indicator that says, go out and explore, um, do the research, educate yourself around the different ethos is the, the the different um drivers of change that are happening uh, in in the world today and what does that then mean for my organization and how can i then develop the kind of leaders who can thrive in in that future wonderful 
And so Hayden, just to wrap up then, how can people connect with you and follow your work? Well, the best place to find me is on LinkedIn. So just Hayden Brown on LinkedIn. Um, you can find me there. My website is mindsetleadership.co.uk. Uh, I'm also on Twitter at, at Hayden Bratt, but LinkedIn is probably the place where I hang out uh, an awful lot. So best place to find me is on LinkedIn. Wonderful. Hayden, all's left for me to say is thank you very much for being a guest on the Learning Development Podcast. Brilliant, David. I really appreciate your time and uh, I've loved this conversation. Brilliant. Thank you very much. It's interesting to understand how L&D practice is adapting to meet the evolving needs of, of business and wider society and how leadership is being tackled in response. If you'd like to get in touch with me, perhaps to suggest topics you'd like to hear discussed, you can tweet me at David in Learning, connect on LinkedIn or Facebook, for which you'll find the links in the show notes. Goodbye for now.